Hello, UFC fans. Welcome to a UFC 278 episode on the Big D Podcast. Before I bring in Billy for his uh, UFC pay-per-view advice, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. See all my content. UFC, football, football, baseball. We got it all here. Also, check out the Big D podcast for your audio listeners on Spotify and Apple. Well, if you can see from the uh, background, he will, Action Network, Fantasy Labs, MMA, he's your guy. My friend, Billy Ward. Billy, you ready for a UFC 278 this weekend in Salt Lake City? I hear there will be a few fights that uh, will go on in the entrance of us. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting one. I, I got to say it's not one of, like, the best pay-per-views I've seen in a while. You know, a lot of times we get two title fights on some of these pay-per-views, a little bit more intrigue in the co-main event. And, you know, I am I always like watching Kamaru Usman, but we're kind of getting into that GSP territory where you go, you know, am I really buying this guy they're putting in front of him as a legitimate challenger, or is this just another, you know, easy work for Usman, who is, like, a roughly 4-1 to betting favorite as of Tuesday, and I expect that to be a little bit longer by the time fights kick off. Yeah, so talking about the main event, it's uh, Kamal Usman against Leon Edwards for the uh, welterweight title. And uh, when you think of Usman, you think dominance at at 170 pounds. Is Usman potentially the best pound-for-pound fighter in the UFC? Obviously, we've seen Volkanovski and Charles Oliveira dominate fights recently but is Usman in that contention for the best pound for pound fighter in the USC today yeah absolutely I think the conversation is pretty much just Usman and Volkanovsky and you know if either of those guys were able able to go up a weight class and win another belt I think that would cement their case or just you know take on a wider range of challengers here you know Usman's defended his title five times but it's against three different guys and it was Masvidal who wasn't really a legitimate threat i don't think anyone saw that twice and then he's beat covington twice and burns once and you know while covington is probably clearing away the second best welterweight on the world neither the none of those guys really seemed like a legitimate challenger at least the second time around and you know volkanovsky fought max holloway 76 times or whatever so when one of these guys can really clear out a division then I think we'll be able to firmly say that one of them is the best welterweight in the world. You know, for Usman, that probably means stopping Hamza Chemaev if he gets a title fight sooner rather than later. And Volkanovski, his opportunity might be going up to 155. It's obviously easier for Featherweight to go up 10 pounds to 55 than it is for Usman to go all the way up to 185. But he's a big, strong dude. I don't think he would ever fight Israel Adesanya, but if Pahea takes the title off Adesanya, could we see Usman go up and, you know, wrestle his way against Alex Pahea to a second title? That wouldn't shock me. So, yeah, to answer your question more directly, he's one of two people in the conversation. I don't think it's particularly close with anyone else. With all due respect to actual champion Charles Oliveira that we're pretending is not the champion. So, obviously, we saw these two guys fight before, and uh, Usman does what he has done to practically everybody, win and dominate. So, uh, how do you think Usman will go at Edwards on Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, that was a long time ago. This was 2015 when they were fighting. Like, Barack Obama was president the last time these two people fought. So, both these guys have came a long, long way 
since then, you know, Edwards had criticized Usman at the time for being just a wrestler. And I think that was fair. You know, he came out and he won a unanimous decision. Didn't really work too hard to put him away. Definitely wasn't trading with him. And, you know, Edwards was just a striker then and has definitely improved in some other areas too. You know, what I'm, what I think we're probably going to see is Usman try to keep this standing and strike a little bit more than we usually do out of him. We've seen that in the last few fights where he's kept things more or less standing, but he's fought, you know, a wrestler in Colby Covington, an excellent jiu-jitsu guy in Gilbert Burns. So it's hard to say whether he's going to keep that game plan in here, whether he's really fallen in love with his hands or whether he was just fighting guys where the matchup dictated that. I think the smart strategy for Usman would be to dominate him with his wrestling. I know Edwards just came a long way, but he's so much smaller. He's nowhere near as physically strong as Usman. He's a tall, skinny guy. Like all of that makes a pretty easy path towards success on the ground for Usman. But you see these guys, you know, they fall in love with their striking. They were wrestlers, but they like trying to knock people out. That That's, I guess, my one concern here is that if Usman doesn't take the smart choice and tries to put on a show or win a highlight reel knockout, I think that's the only path I could see for Edwards winning. I'm not even sure that Edwards is the better striker, but it's certainly close on the feet, where Usman is just clearly, clearly the better grappler in both wrestling and jiu-jitsu than Leon Edwards. I mean, and if you're the Leon Edwards camp, you're hoping this is a boxing match because if this is a wrestling match, Edwards is going to end up on his uh, backside the whole night. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, Edwards, I'm sure, has been working, trying to defend takedowns, working the range. You know, it's the bigger cage in a pay-per-view. Not that that really changed anything for Usman, who's fought almost exclusively pay-per-views for a while now. So, you know, does Edwards... I don't think Edwards has much of a chance to stop the takedowns. It's just whether... Usman initiates them or whether he gets a little bit overconfident in his striking and then wants to trade with him. Yeah, because we've seen, we've seen a few upsets. So, I mean, I suspect Usman wins, but you think this is a convincing win or is this going to be one where everybody's put put asleep thinking, why did I spend 70 bucks for a crappy fight like this? Yeah, I got to say, you know, I've I've enjoyed Usman's fights even when he's not knocking people out or tapping them out early. Like, I thought the last fight with Covington was pretty entertaining, even though it wasn't like a dominant stoppage. You know, Usman made it clear he was the better fighter in there. And I think that's probably the likeliest case. You know, from a, from a DFS standpoint, it's a really interesting question because Edwards is super cheap, throws with a ton of volume, certainly has ability to put up points, but you're weighing whether you think he can last long enough in there to make it interesting. And then Usman, you know, and DFS standpoint, you just play him anytime he's fighting. He he strikes at an above average rate. He, he attempts takedowns at above average rate. Most dominant fighter out there. Like that one's a no brainer. So you know, I think that's going to be the real storyline here. It's not so much whether Edwards can necessarily win, but whether he can make this a compelling fight or if he just gets ran through. And we kind of start saying, "I'm a little bored with Usman." Of course, if we get to that point, we've got Cam's at lurking, which I would love to see. I kind of wish they would have just rushed Tom's out to the top here instead of doing Edwards again. But Edwards deserved it. You know, he's been on a streak. He's beat everyone they've asked him to. It's certainly he certainly deserves the chance. I just don't know that that means it's a close fight. And uh, I'm guessing for both of us, uh, just play both title fighters because unlike a lot of UFC pay-per-views we've seen recently, there's only one title fight. So play both guys. Yeah, for cash games, I'm probably 95% sure that's what I'm going to be doing. I don't. I don't think fading Edwards is necessarily terrible in this one. Just if you think 
Usman comes out and dominates. You know, you don't score a lot of points lying on your back. When we get these back-and-forth stand-up matches, like we saw with Cruz and Cheeto last weekend, both guys put up a lot of points. You know, Cruz mixed in some takedowns. Cheeto got some knockdowns. It was perfect. They both scored a ton. If Usman really does come out here and do his GSP impression and wrestle him the whole time, Edwards could go five rounds and only score 15 points or whatever. I don't think that's the likeliest scenario, so I will be playing both of them. And then real quick, from a betting standpoint, you know, if you want to bet Edwards, you can really get some good prices. I'm going to, I'm assuming at least on Edwards by knockout. And I think if you're going to bet him, you might as well play that because he's not winning rounds or minutes against Kamaru. Could he catch him? That's a little bit more likely. And then this line's just going to get better and better throughout the week. If you're on the Edwards side, it's already moved from, let's see what he's, he's at 310 now, but just yesterday it was for Edwards. He was 280 yesterday and 310 now. And that's Tuesday when we haven't seen a lot of action yet. So, yeah, you know, if you're betting this one, I can see the case towards Edwards. I'm not laying the minus 400 or whatever on a favorite. Just too many crazy things can happen. And, yeah, like you said, for DFS, I think it's probably play both guys in cash. I don't really see a super compelling reason not to unless you think Edward, or uh, Kamaru just does lay and pray the whole time. And Edwards gets 15 points, and we're wondering why we and wondering who Usman's going to fight next. Yeah, it better be Hamza. I'm going to keep saying that until Dana White listens to your podcast and makes it true. Can we just <laughs> can we just see Usman versus Hamza? Like, I'm just not assuming he gets through this one. I don't just really believe anyone else in the welterweight division has much of a shot against him. Mm, yeah, and then sneaky one year or two down the line. But uh, if Sean Brady keeps dominating, super super good grappler, which I think would be an interesting matchup for Usman. So it might be the one guy who wants to play jiu-jitsu with Usman, which I think would be fun. I don't think he's at that level yet, uh, Sean Brady, that is. But big on Sean Brady, big on Jeremiah Wells. Like some those Philly, Hanzo Gracie Philly guys, I think, are going to be pretty compelling against Usman in a year or two. Yeah, so the co-main event on Saturday night is a middleweight fight between uh, Luke Rockhold and Paulo Costa. I've, thank goodness you give me the easy, easy names for this call so what do you see with this fight because we haven't seen Rockhold in a long time yeah you know it's been over three years since he fought both of his last two fights were knockout losses although you know Jan Blakowicz and Yoel Romero so nothing you know shameful in that but it's been almost five years since he won a fight I, I think this is a tremendous fight it's interesting that they're both going down to middleweight when they both fought between middleweight and light heavyweight in the past, as I shouldn't say down to middleweight, but yeah, I mean, I would have, this would have been a tremendous fight in 2019 ish here in 2022. I'm not really buying it as a legitimate co-main event. I don't see either guy really challenging for a title at any point at middleweight or light heavyweight for that matter. You know, Costa's last two fights were a knockout to Adesanya and then a loss to Marvin Vittori. He's pretty clearly not one of the top two or three middleweights. You know, Rockhold is getting up there in age, hasn't won a fight in forever, 37. I don't know. I think Costa handles this one pretty easily. You know, big questions on Rockhold's chin after all those knockout losses and the layoff. And Costa's probably a better jujitsu player at the very least. I wouldn't say grappler overall. So, yeah, you know, DFS standpoint, I'm going to mix in some Costa. Don't really love it. Don't think I'm going to be betting it with Costa as a fairly big favorite, but I don't know. There's not, there's not a lot I'm interested in in this one. I think Aldo Dushavili should be the co-main event, but we'll get to that shortly. 
Yeah, this seems more like a GPP fight because I don't think I'd really like either guy either guy for Cat because both of them are coming off some knockout losses. So I think this fight ends in a KO one way or another, but I don't like this for Cat. It just seems more like a tournament play if you like stack 150 in a in a in an MME. Yeah, even that. I mean, Costa's fairly expensive since he's such a heavy favorite. Let me look up real quick exactly what he's at. 8700. Yeah, you know, and he doesn't he doesn't have a ton of volume, doesn't really go for takedown, so you pretty much need a knockout from Costa and you need it to be kind of early for that to pay off, which is certainly not out of the question, you know, the way Rockhold looked last we saw him. On the flip side of that, you know, a guy got knocked out in his last couple fights, but those 3 years off help a little bit. It's not like he's been constantly taking damage in that point in that time frame. I don't think Rockhold has much of a chance of winning, but can he survive? I don't know. I'm just not super Compelled by this one. I'll mix in some Costa, maybe like one Rockhold lineup if I do five or six, just to just on the off chance he's done really well in this time off. And, you know, we haven't seen Costa be very active either. He's fought basically once a year for the last four ish years. So I don't know if that plays into it, but yeah, not not one of my favorite fights. One of the reasons I think this is kind of a weaker pay per view from a entertainment standpoint. It's certainly not the pay per view with. Uh... All these great superstars, champs, and exciting fights, and we've got a decent main event, but we don't have the we don't have the history making or potential potential superstar or superstars that we've seen in the last three or four big pay per views. Well, I mean, we kind of do. They're just not in the co-main event. They're in the the third fight on the card. I don't know what to call that, Coco Main or whatever you want to say, but love this fight between Jose Aldo and Marabdishavili. I thought Aldo was done a couple years ago. You know, the guy had been in a ton of wars for all these years. And then what does he do? He rattles off wins over Cheeto Vera, Pedro Munoz, and Rob Font. You can't ask much more of that. I think Aldo's, you know, close to fighting for a title and probably should get the next title fight if he gets to Dishavili. But Dishavili's been winning like crazy. Another one of those, you know, former Soviet grapplers that we see that just comes out and dominates people with takedowns he he won the 2019 combat sambo world championships and i don't know five ish oh it looks like seven fight winning streak in the ufc after dropping his first two so i'm super interested in this fight you know can aldo keep it standing long enough against a guy who attempts like five takedowns per round to work his game plan is aldo going to chop him down with leg kicks does divashili's striking come come forward enough to make this interesting if he isn't able to get him down it's a great fight from an entertainment standpoint. It's a great fight from a DFS standpoint. DeShavili's takedown volume can put up a ton of points, and Aldo's a super accurate, super high-intensity striker, and it's the 8,200-8,000 fight, which is almost always one of the ones we want to target. I'm all in on this one. I don't know why this isn't the co-main event. Like, someone needs to explain that to me, why we should care about Paulo Costa and Luke Rockhold more than these two. But, yeah, I don't have strong opinions on who I think is going to win at this point on Tuesday. You know, close lines, close DFS salaries. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts if you got anything for me. I know this. If I were 150, one of these two guys would be in every one of my lines. Yeah, you know, from I will say from a DFS standpoint, I think the upside on Davish Shavili is a lot higher just because he could get two or three takedowns in a round. You know, Aldo might get taken down, scramble back to his feet. But that helps from DFS because he could rack up a bunch of takedowns. Neither of these guys really needs the stoppage at their salary to pay off in DFS. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think we're going to have a lot of exposure to this one. 
it's a sneaky one. You know, if you don't like anyone else in that price range, I wouldn't even hate playing both of them in cash games, which I normally don't do in three round fights, but there could just be enough action in this one that, you know, Aldo racks up a lot of striking points. I think the dream scenario would be a late knockout from Aldo with five or six takedowns along the way on the other side. I probably won't do that. I'll probably end up taking a stand by Saturday, but I don't think it's a terrible strategy. Yeah, I mean, look what Dominic Cruz did in San Diego. I mean, even though he lost in the fourth round, racked up a lot of points. Yeah, and, and this could be similar. You know, I, I don't like it as much when we only get three rounds to work with. But like you said, it only went a couple minutes into the fourth. So even had Cruz not gone into the fourth, it still would have been a pretty solid score there. So, yeah, you know, it's certainly possible. The lighter weight classes, there tends to just be more action. The guys don't really get tired. I mean, Jose Aldo just doesn't get tired. You know, three straight decisions. Some of them, I think, were five rounds. I'll have to check. But so, yeah, there could be a ton of action in this one when they've only got when they only have to do it for three rounds. Again, really wish this was the co-main, but what are you going to do? Yeah, and one and one fight I'm really looking forward to seeing is Alexander Romanov because have you seen have you seen some of his scores in the UFC? Not just five wins, but submissions, knockouts. I feel like Romanov should be the most expensive fighter on Saturday night. Yeah, and he might. I don't know. It's probably well. We'll get to the fight after that, and I'll I'll tell you why he isn't. But. Yeah, I get that. I just think the matchup with Tibera is just scary enough that I get why he isn't. You know, Marcin Tibera is no joke. He's, yeah, he lost to, who was it in his last one? He lost to Alexander Volkov. Not a ton of shame in that. He was on a win streak before that. At least four in a row, a couple knockouts, knocked out Great Hardy, knocked out Walt Harris. And Romanoff hasn't really fought tougher heavyweight com- competition so far. You know, submitting Chase Sherman doesn't really impress me, especially with Sherman taking that on like two weeks notice. Knocked out Jared Vandera. I mean, cool. So it's definitely a step up in competition for Romanoff, but he's 16 and 0 for a reason. He's definitely the A side of this one. I just think, you know, it's it's a scary one from DFS because with these big boys, anyone can get knocked out pretty early. And if nobody gets knocked out early, sometimes we see kind of slop fest where there's just not a lot of points overall. So I do like this fight. I do think Romanoff is the sharper side. I'll be trying to get to him. But I'm going to mix in some Tibera for sure, especially at his price point for DFS. And, and it's a good test. It's a good test for Romanoff, you know, really stepping up to a borderline ranked competition for the first time. Or ranked. I guess they're both ranked at this point. So we'll see. You know, we'll see if he's really a title challenger down the line or if he's just going to be a top 10-ish guy who hangs out, hangs out in that area. It's Romanoff's... I'm because, it's weird because I know it's Tuesday, but I feel like Romanov could be a cash play, but you don't seem that confident in him, especially with the big boys, because either you get uh, an early knockout or a snooze fest where they just deplete their energy reserves. Yeah, I'm not saying that's necessarily what's going to happen, but that's that's always a risk, right? With heavyweight fighter so i'll probably try to find the salary to get to him i got to see how the rest of my lineup shakes out and i'm not going to sacrifice another spot in my lineup to find the extra money to play romanoff if i can do it comfortably and have some cheaper plays i like he'll certainly be in there just because like you said i mean there's certainly a case for him being the most expensive fighter on this lady's He's minus 450 or so already i certainly get it but you know to transition here to the next fight on the main card 
is Tyson Pedro versus Harry Hunsucker. And Tyson Pedro is the most expensive fighter on this slate because Harry Hunsucker is pretty terrible by UFC standards. Let me guess. So, Let me guess. He sucks, right? I mean, I'm never going to say that about these people who could, you know, the heavyweights in particular could beat up both of us at the same time. And that's that's with me as an ex-professional fighter, right? I'm not saying that as some geek off the streets. So I'm never going to say these guys suck, right? Like, it's hard to make it to the UFC. It is. But when we're comparing it to UFC standards, I mean, he's not good. He's been in there twice. He got knocked out by Tai Tuivasa. Okay, no big deal. Tai knocks out everyone. I think it's knocked out by four and three Justin Taffa with a head kick. That's not great. He's coming down to 205 when he had been fighting heavyweight. I don't think that really helps him. He's the smaller guy in there against Tyson Pedro, who's got an inch in height, four inches in reach. Pedro had a long layoff, like three years. Comes back, he gets Ike Villanueva, who basically finished with leg kicks, and now gets Harry Hunsucker. So shout out to Tyson Pedro's management team for getting these fights, because this is just an awesome way to get back into the octagon. And yeah, I think, you know, Pedro is, I think, the safer play between him and Romanoff. We're spending a bit more. It's another 500 in salary for that. But, yeah, I, I really can't see Harry Hunsucker beating any legitimate UFC competition at this point in his career. Yeah, it's just more maybe not a better fighter but for Pedro over Romanoff, but way less competition from Hunsucker. Yeah, and I mean that's that's if you're Tyson Pedro, that's what you're supposed to do. Like I, I think it was Sean O'Malley said, I want the easiest fights for the most money. Maybe that's Patty Pamela. I don't know. One of those guys who gets a lot of easy fights for a lot of money. But um, yeah, I mean, if you're doing this for a living, this isn't for fun. This isn't to prove how tough you are. Like you're trying to provide for your family and set yourself up. Yeah, I want to get in there and fight guys who are, you know, zero and two in the UFC for my comeback fight. I'd love that. Great. Like give me those fights. So, you know, love that for Tyson Pedro. think he's – I think we find the 9,500 for Pedro, and then if you can still find another 9,000 for both Usman and Tybura, great. But I'm not going to – or for uh, Romanoff and Usman do that, but definitely the priority is going to be getting up to Tyson Pedro and Kamaru Usman for me with Romanoff coming in kind of a – also ran in that category. Uh, yeah, so uh... – how do you think the altitude in Salt Lake City will play a role? Because we've seen game, we've seen umpteen sporting events in Denver, Mexico City, where altitude plays a factor. You think the altitude in Salt Lake will play a factor? I mean, possibly, but it's and I am horrible at geography. Correct me if I'm wrong here. It's not anywhere near as high as Denver. Correct? I don't. It's like a couple thousand feet low but it is at altitude yeah so i don't i don't know if that's a necessarily a big case i mean it's tough because both guys are fighting in it right so when you've got a guy like usman who trains in denver primarily like probably won't matter for him i don't think there's a lot of mountains in england for leon edwards so that might you know be another point for usman but do we really need anything else to convince us that kamara usman's the better fighter here i certainly don't Mm -hmm. so (laughs) you know like I don't know how much that matters. I will say, I guess, if we're talking about some of these heavyweights, maybe that, you know, increases the odds that we see Romanoff and Tiberia tire out and don't put up great scores. I don't really have a great betting angle on that because if they tire out, that could be a stoppage or it could raise the chances of it going long. But, yeah, you know, if, if that's going to scare you away from a DFS standpoint, I think 
fading some of the heavier fighters probably makes sense. But I don't know. This It's really hard to say just because both fighters are fighting in the same environment. So how are we going to pick between them? Oh, by the way, uh, Tyson Pedro's odds, minus 740. And dropping, <laughs> I think. Might be. I think, I, think be, I think he might be like minus 900 by the time the fight starts. He, are, he already is on FanDuel. The oh, 740, the 740 you're seeing on DraftKings is the shortest odds on him anywhere that I'm seeing right now. So like, could he be at that minus the a thousand twelve hundred? It wouldn't shock me. I mean, I'm never gonna lay that kind of price on guys, especially the bigger guys, just because the variance is so much higher. And you know, we've seen Harry Hansucker get caught with a couple knockoffs. That doesn't mean he's terrible. Maybe he's just gotten gotten caught early. But yeah, I don't I don't think the odds are are great for him so it's it's not it's a very interesting pay-per-view but i think of one where dfs players are going to be are going to be at a different i'll be looking at a different strategy because with only one title fight you're not going to you won't have to stack four fighters. You you'll stack two in all likelihood, but you won't have to stack four potentially. Yeah, that makes it that makes it easy, easier. I guess I shouldn't say easier because we're all dealing with the same thing, right? Like sometimes I look at the slate and I go, "Oh wow, this is awesome! I score so many points." But we got to keep in mind everybody else is seeing that too. Like if you're sitting there saying, "I hate this slate," so is the people you're playing against. But anyway, bit of a digression. But yeah, I'm with you. You know, 13 fights, pretty pretty standard amount. Nothing really stands out for me. I think probably going to try to find a cheaper female fighter here just because those tend to go longer. You know, I don't know if it's Yana and Wu. She's not all that cheap. Playing Shanna Young is a little scary. But that'll be that'll be later in the week decisions. I will say I really like the prelim fight at 170 between AJ Fletcher and Ange Lusa. I don't know if anyone saw Fletcher's last fight. It was or his first fight, which was also his last fight, if that makes sense. But he fought Matthew Semmelsberger just throwing bombs the whole time. AJ Fletcher has a 67 inch reach, which is five foot seven, which is like hilariously short as a welterweight. But he's this super jack former football player, so it's gonna be really hard for him to cut weight to get to a lower decision. Giving up seven inches to Angelusa, who you know is 0-1 in the UFC, also lost his contender series fight. I think that's just another high variance fight. Both these guys can be swinging pretty hard. Obviously, don't love it for cash games when we have a high knockout odds, but that'll be a fun one, too. There's honestly, you know, in the earlier prelims and stuff, there's some fun fights, fights I'm interested in seeing what happens. It's just we don't have that name recognition that we frequently see. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but uh, hopefully we do get 13 fights because seemingly like once or twice a month, somebody can't fight because they either – can't cut weight or they or they back out at the last minute yeah i mean stuff happens it's a tough sport (laughs) i've been there i've had fights canceled both on my end and the other people so it certainly happens i think that's why for a while the ufc was trying to get 14 or 15 on a card but then too many times nobody backed out and then they had events that went like nine hours or whatever so now they're shooting for that 13 ish range if they lose one or two no big deal from an entertainment standpoint, I actually like the shorter cards because some of these 14 fight cards where it's literally seven hours, that's it's a big ask. From a DFS and betting standpoint, obviously love more options, right? Who doesn't want more choices? 
Yeah, especially when you're playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So uh, thanks for joining us, Billy. Uh, we wish you well. Hopefully we are raking the chips. Hopefully uh, we, our fighters win because, uh, because we like them when we get dubs, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's been I've had a real good streak for cash games the last three or four weeks, even with, you know, some of my betting picks going wrong. So one of these weeks, I'm hoping just I can get all the things right on the same week. But that's obviously a big ask. You know, it's it's tough predicting what's going to happen in the future. And get that next MMA World Championship ticket, right? Yeah, I got to start deciding how much of the bankroll I'm going to fire at that one this time, because it gets expensive trying to enter those a bunch of times and qualify for the next one. But we got some time. Oh, yeah. So thanks for hopping on. We'll see you later. No problem. See you down.